Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, I am super excited to be speaking with Tayson Whitaker, the president of Outdoor Vitals. So Tayson and his team are three-time creators on Kickstarter. They have now surpassed over 9,000 backers on their campaigns and have raised over a million dollars. We started working with the company back in 2018 on their Loftech jacket campaign, and they've recently just finished their amazing, ultra-comfortable pants, the Satu. So Tayson, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Yeah, happy to be here. So I'm excited to hear your story just because I know there was uh, you know, a lot into it in terms of you know, starting Outdoor Vitals. So if you would, kind of take us back in time of you know, when it all began and where it all started. Yeah, so <clears throat> for me, it's, it started, um, I don't know, as a kid, I guess I, I always loved outdoors and things like that as far as the hobby level. But the business itself started right after college for me. Um, I'd been working with an e-commerce business run some of their marketing and their finances. And, and at that point in time, I'd, I'd seen an opportunity to kind of get started with Amazon. And so I looked at that as a stepping stone for us to, to build something. And, and so I started looking at my own personal needs, found some, you know, found that down sleeping bags, I felt like were, were overpriced and that if we cut out the middleman, we could, we could get um, people into the outdoors at a cheaper price. And so that was kind of the the original fundamentals what the business was was started on. And so we started selling on Amazon. But like I said, we I, I always knew that Amazon was a stepping stone. I wanted to to build off of Amazon, build a very strong and 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 you know connective brand and then also just innovate. You know, I really love innovating on the product side. And so it's taken us a while to go from Amazon to website to to you know crowdfunding and 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 whatnot but um the last year or, or a few years of of the company it's been really cool to see how everything's finally come together and um we're just i'm just super happy with with where we're at and the direction we're going and so it's been a grind like i said we've just been hopping platforms different revenue streams building lists you know if we would do youtube stuff all sorts of things but um it all bleeds in and, and has helped us you know be successful and get where we're at so taking us back to the beginning there, like what was the process like of one, finding the category that you best resonated with and then deciding how to build out the company in terms of the products that you wanted to create? Yeah. So the, the product selection was, was basically, I was, I was the avatar. It was a, it was a need that I had in the market. Um, I, I was trying to lighten up um, my backpacking gear and, and get to, you know, like that ultralight status and, and one of the biggest things that I didn't have was a good sleeping bag. I, I was always cold. I was always sleeping miserable. And, and so um, I started looking at those and, you know, they started at $300 and just went up from there, it seemed like. And so that was a personal need. And I, I did the research, you know, looking and, and it looked like the competition wasn't high. And 
it was one of those things that people didn't want to touch. It was bigger, more bulky, higher priced, you know, didn't fit in a shoebox, all, the, all those, you know, nuances. But I, I thought, you know, I could tell that, that people were buying them, that there was a market. And so I went after it. And that was both a good and a bad decision for us. Um, I, I, uh, I say us, but really back then it was, it was me. Um, but I, because what happened is I was able to get into the market fairly easily, but it's not a big market. And so it was a, it was a pro and a con. And I, and I, I started off with the sleeping bag, started growing that and had really good success. was able to climb to the top of Amazon um, pretty well, just, just focusing on fundamentals. And then what happened is we started to cap. So then I started, you know, I was like, okay, now I need more sleeping bags, you know, get, get deeper in the product line and, and so on and so forth. And it wasn't until a few years in, that we started, you know, to realize, hey, I think we could we could do better if we went, you know, we had our one avatar and built more things for the one avatar instead of just going deep into the same product line. So in creating the the Mummy Pod, your first Kickstarter campaign, which you know wasn't a huge success, but what inspired you, I guess, to to keep going on or to decide that crowdfunding was the right way to launch that product and not Amazon? Yeah, I I'm a big believer in. And, you know, starting and, and getting going because it seems like anytime you, you're moving forward, it's, I always liken it to like walking up a mountain, you know, the farther I walk forward up that mountain, the farther I can see into the distance. And so that's really what that campaign was, is that campaign was done a hundred percent internally. Just every single thing on the entire campaign was done a hundred percent internally. But what we saw was the potential of it. So the product itself was a decent product. It's honestly not my favorite product. We, we may end up dropping it um, for certain reasons in the future, but it was a really cool product for a very specific type of person. And we saw that, you know, if it hit that person, that, that they were backing it, that they were really liking it. And then we, you know, we saw how the cash comes in, you know, how you get paid from Kickstarter and, and how you're able to hold on to that money while it's being manufactured and, and some things like that. And so it all played into this, hey, if we had the right product on these platforms, a more ubiquitous product, you know, something that's that's for everyone, not just our niche core group of people, I think we could do a lot better. And so it really just showed us, okay, this is how the campaign works start to finish. This is what we learned on marketing side. This is what we learned on the product side. This is what we learned on, on you know, how it helped us acquire more customers that they could then go to buy other things. And so it was this tipping point for us to be like, okay, there's some potential here. Let's go back, reassess and bring something different to the platform. So before you guys began, did you guys self-fund this or did you guys raise any venture capital money out of it? So this is this is all been self-funded. Yeah. So I put I put all of my money from grad, you know, after, that I had after graduating college, some tax return money, student loan money. I mean, it was it was everything that I had ended up going into the business, you know, over time. And we've never taken any outside funding. Um, other than that, we we have done some loans and things like that, but just just simple bank loans. Nice. Lines of credit. So in preparation for the first campaign and then for the most recent campaign that just finished this past week, what are some of the things that you guys have changed in terms of marketing preparation or asset creation, videography, those sorts of things that's made each campaign now more successful? Yeah. So I I would say the biggest thing is now we do a lot more upfront work for validation. So we do, you know, we we're basically setting up different landing pages to test concepts, see what's resonating with, let's say, headlines, 
um, see what people's favorite features are, what we need to focus on, what's not important to people. And that gives us a lot of feedback. So on the mummy pod, I mean, we just created it and we just went at it. But with with the like the, the Satu Adventure Pants, we went through this process where we actually had that coupled with um, another product, which is our Dragon Wool, um, which is a way, way cool product. And we still learn things on this campaign. But what we first initially were planning on doing was launching a layering system. You know, you'd get the pant, but you'd also get the zip-off thermals and the underwear at the same time. It was a system. And we started to do the pre-campaigning. We saw that, that that was a big disconnect for people. And when we broke the pant onto its own individual thing, that's where we started to see more success. We ended up selling the Dragon Wolves add-ons and upsells. But it, it, it honestly, if I could go back in time, I, I probably would have just totally separated out the Dragon Wolf in and of itself because it's a really innovative, really cool product, but didn't get the attention because we tacked it on there. But we learned a lot in that pre-campaign. If we had launched it how I initially wanted to, the campaign would have not achieved nearly the same level of success. So that's been a probably the biggest change um, from camp, you know, first campaign to to this last campaign. And then we also do just more collaborating and and whatnot. But I think the collaboration piece is very helpful in the beginning projects, especially like if you want to bring on someone that's going to hold your hand through the process. But um, we've learned a lot through the through the systems, you know, and and marketing partners. We still believe a lot in them, but we've learned a lot in, in, in the sense that now we've got our own systems and our own processes to launch a Kickstarter from, from, you know, doing it a couple of times now. Yeah. I mean, you guys are solid marketers over there. So give me some insights into maybe some of the KPIs that you were looking at pre-campaign. And then once the campaign was active to kind of guide and make data-driven decisions. Yeah, that's a tough one. I always measure everything up against like our other, you know, email where we're getting emails in other ways in the business. And so it's very, very hard to plug in a new system and get the same KPIs. You know, we're, we're essentially able to get emails for cents on the dollar um, through just a series of different things. Um, but for this, it makes it harder. So we were, you know, we were trying to get emails for under a dollar. We we're trying to get those emails to give us a dollar themselves to validate basically the project after that. And so, those are, you know, early reservations is basically what you call them and you give them, you try to give them a better price on the launch, give them, you know, first opportunity to jump on the launch, get the earliest prices and, and, and whatnot. And uh, for those, we were trying to, you know, get, basically make the numbers work as best we can. But we saw, you know, we started off with, man, it would cost us over a hundred dollars to get, to, to get like someone to give us that dollar reservation. And that just, that was not okay with me at all, you know, and it shouldn't have been right. But so we, we worked that down and got it lower, but essentially we never did get it quite where I would have wanted it, which would have been, you know, maybe $20 for a reservation because those reservations convert highly effectively. Um, But we ended up basically proving the concept and then shutting things off once we felt pretty good about the concept that we had proven. Um, But yeah, the goal would be to get reservations down to, you know, 20, 30 bucks at least. And then, be collecting emails for for well under a dollar. It doesn't always work that way, but I think the important part for us there was to see where it started and then just keep bringing those numbers down with all of the testing and changes that we were doing. Yeah. So in those pre-campaign dollar reservations, I mean, what kind of uh, conversion rate did those have once the campaign went active? Typically they're, they're, you know, 60%, give or take. 
they're they're you know they're they're highly likely to back. Um, I think on good campaigns, maybe you see them more like eighty percent. You know, bad campaigns once they finally launch, maybe thirty forty percent. I think the medium though is between fifty and sixty percent. Interesting. So, given that you guys have done now three separate Kickstarter campaigns, talk a little bit about your experience with the community that you've built and the backers that have come in to support you over the years. I mean, how have you gone about managing that feedback and then potentially creating products around their ideas? Yeah, I mean, I think if there's one thing I could have done better to begin with, and you know, it's it's always it, it really comes down to planning, like. It, there is so much behind the scenes planning that goes into a really successful Kickstarter. I mean, when you look at someone like Peak Designs, man, I, I can't even like fathom the amount of planning and the team and the, and, and everything that goes into that. But so, and I'm I'm just talking myself uh, out of your initial question. But it, it, for us, um, in fact, ask your initial question. Let me make sure I answer that correctly before I get off. I just on wanted to talk about you know your experience. Uh, with all the backers in the community that you've built yeah, and yeah, yeah. how you've gone so, about building them into new products potentially. Yeah. And, and that's why I brought up um, Peak Designs. That's one thing that we were just really looking at from this campaign to the last. Since our since our second campaign had a lot of success, we brought on a lot of backers and we were able to roll that forward. And that's been a huge thing for us. We actually launched on the same day as Nomadic launched a, a product line and on, on Kickstarter. And they had just a tremendous initial push and initial launch, but there's so much. And, and I guess what we learned from that, because I mean, our, our regular marketing and stuff, we, we bring on lots of emails, you know, we have a, a very big email list and, and we have a very engaged community, but there's a difference between kickstart backers that have backed one campaign and the, and the percentages of them that back the next campaign is significantly higher. And that, so they're able to roll that forward. And so it really, you learn a lot, but, the, but that community grows and they become loyal and, and it's, and it, you know, you learn how to communicate with them. You, you actually learn too, like what their anticipated questions are going to be. And so you are able to build that into your initial campaign too. And talking about colors and sizings and things that you see. And, and you can learn that by studying other people's campaigns too. But, you know, we learned that through going through the campaign process and seeing that some of those pain points come up for the backers. But yeah, they, those backers are so valuable if you want to continue on the platform. I mean, my advice to people is if you do a Kickstarter, if you have a lot of interest in a Kickstarter, you should look at doing serial Kickstart, you know, projects because each one can help build into the next. So really focusing on, you know, maybe a little bit more of the branding side to because because you're acquiring customers. And so why not try to tap into them more than once? And I know that's hard for some people because it's like they just have one product idea and that's all it is. But um, there's a huge benefit to serial serial campaigns, I feel like. Yes, I mean, your most recent campaign, about a sixth of all the backers were brand new first time backers. Where do you think those guys came from? The brand, the brand new side of the backers. I mean, we spend a lot of money on ads. We run a lot of ads. We do a lot of testing on ads. And so I'm sure that that has a lot to do with, with what happens. But, but kind of going back to it, those are harder, those are harder to get than, than the people that have already backed or already seen, you know, projects before and understand those. So there's a bit of a learning curve, but but for sure, we're, we're trying to drive outside traffic. For sure. So after this Kickstarter campaign ended, you guys moved over to Indiegogo In Demand. Talk a little bit about why you decided to go that route and what the process has been like over there. Yeah. So Indiegogo is great to work with. You can you can talk to them, you can get them on the phone, you can get answers. They've, they've been innovating. They've actually changed their platform to help optimize things. But it was a it was, it was pretty 
you know, debatable with us whether we wanted to do our own pre-sell on our own landing pages or go to Indiegogo. And that may still change in the future. It's all, you know, we, we have to base things off of numbers and where we're getting results. But we really like Indiegogo because of some of the things they provide as far as, you know, some organic reach. They provide a platform that kind of comes with a little bit more of an education cycle. It's a third-party tested proven thing. But the biggest reason that we continue to sell through that is it continues to give us more data on future orders. So we've got our Kickstarter orders, you know, already placed and and into manufacture and that process. I mean, that was started actually even during the campaign. But what we don't know and what we learned as it was a very hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of learning experience here was that we, we didn't understand what the demand was going to be after we had the products like ready to ship on a daily basis. So, you know, once they were just in stock on the website, ready to sell, we had no idea what those numbers would look like. And they proved out to be a lot stronger than we thought. And so we very much so didn't have enough inventory and we, we've stocked out for months at a time on that loft tech jacket and, and so on and so forth. Um, but what we learned was this, that, you know, Indiegogo is going to, you know, it did for us at least outperform, no, I take that back. It didn't. Indiegogo was very similar to the results we were able to get on a daily basis post campaign compared to like Kickstarter. It's such a time sensitive matter. You have these massive days, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on launch days or end days. But that doesn't give you data to like make day to day decisions post campaign. Whereas Indiegogo does a great job at that. So it helps us continue to raise funding. You know, on the Loft Tech jacket, we raised an additional $300,000 on Indiegogo in demand. And that was really beneficial for us. Um, but definitely the big, a big takeaway there is that you can help to use some of those numbers as more projections of what might be expected once you have them ready to ship on a day-to-day basis. So what would be your top tip for raising over a million dollars on crowdfunding over the years? <laughs> top tip for me, I kind of have two, but... Um, I'll take two. I guess this two, okay. Number one is... You, you've got to have your own list, right? So the pre-campaigning for us is a concept proving pre-campaign, but for people that have never done this before, it's just a must. You must do that one approved concept, but two, you have to have that launch list to get some initial traction going and then, and then move forward because then that's where the step two comes in is if you can get really good initial traffic, that initial push off the gate, then when you start running paid ads, then, then they're going to convert a lot better. And so that's the, the part two is people think, I think there's a misconception with Kickstarter that they just create the best possible product. They put it up there and, and it's going to blow up. Or sometimes people take it a step farther. They think I'll create the best possible product. I've got a list. I'll push it out there and then it'll blow up. But I just don't think that's the way. I think when you look, I, I would love to see the behind the, the scenes numbers of you know the peak designs or nomadic campaigns or different things where they're raising, you know, or pebble, you know, like they're raising millions and millions of dollars. You better believe that they're spending millions of dollars on ads too. It's a really big piece to it. So, you know, Kickstarter is not a set it and forget it campaign. I think maybe in in far back history, just like with Amazon, you know, when there were some good days on Amazon, you could start things and it would sell really well without a ton of effort. Maybe with Kickstarter, if you launched a good product, it would just get traction and grow on its own accord, but anymore, it's very much um, driven by what you're doing. And, and, and so, so to me, you've got to have a list and then you've got to be able to have the right marketing partners or, you know, have a good marketing team internally to, to continue to push that and drive traffic and keep the momentum going. 
Yeah, solid advice there, Tayson. Well, this is going to get us into our launch round, where I'm going to rapid-fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Yeah. All right. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Um, lifestyle. If you could go camping with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? <laughs> I don't know. Henry Ford. Henry. There we go. Uh, what would have been your first question for him? First question would, would probably just be, you know, where, do, where does he get his innovation from? Yeah. I think a lot of those guys during that time uh, had a lot of innovation opportunities, you know, at their hand when the economies were just opening up kind of the revolution mm -hmm. side of things. Uh, yeah, totally. What book would you recommend to our listeners? I, I honestly think, you know, a lot of listeners I feel like are typically first time entrepreneurs. And so probably my favorite lately has been uh, stuff from Russell Brunson. So he's got three books out. I would, I'd go pick up any of his three books, dot-com secrets, expert secrets, or traffic secrets. I think he, he's very good at speaking to, to newer people and just getting them basics that are really valid. So, Yeah, that ClickFunnels community on Facebook is pretty nice too. They've got a lot of support in there for, for the most part. Yeah, it's not the end-all be-all, but yeah. the principles. If you study those books, really reading into the principles of them, he's a great marketer. All right, Tayson, last question. And given that you've run three campaigns, uh, I'm excited to hear your answer on this in terms of what does the future of crowdfunding look like? Future of crowdfunding to me, I, I think it looks like the alternative to, to venture capital to me. So I think that it's going to become very much so brand focused, tight knit, um, you know, like brands are just going to be able to to do really, really amazing things and develop really amazing products from crowdfunding. And I think that you might see bigger campaigns happening. And I think that you'll see serial campaigns happening more often. And and I, I think that you're going to see because of crowdfunding, because the opportunities it brings, I think you're going to see just some crazy good innovation that just benefits the consumers. So I'm, I'm a big like anti-venture capital guy because the second I take venture capital, my stakeholders aren't my customers anymore. Now I've got multiple stakeholders to serve. And so I, I love that about crowdfunding is the same people that are helping us grow the company, helping us innovate are the same people that are important to us on every other day of the year. And so I, I love that. It helps propel everything forward and, and keep us focused on who matters most in the company which is our customers. And so I see just brands, you know, being able to tap into some of this and, and, you know, innovate for our customers, not innovate for profits, not innovate for, you know, VCs or, or whatever else it is, but just really building products for customers. Right on. Well, Tayson, this has been amazing. This is your opportunity to give us your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where they should go and why they should check you out. Yeah. So if you're interested in Outdoor Vitals or, or what we're doing in outdoors or, or even traveling, you can always go to OutdoorVitals.com, check us out. But I would say probably a better place for, for you or for to come connect with us would be our podcast, which is Live Ultralight, the Live Ultralight podcast or our YouTube channel. We, uh, we put out a lot of content to help people get outdoors, to help people you know, just a lot of, a lot of people would love to get outdoors and, and they don't know how, and they've got fears around it. And those fears will, will keep them getting out there every time. So uh, we try to help alleviate those. So go follow us on YouTube or on our podcast and, and get to know us. Awesome. Well, audience, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, the Gadget Flow and Product Hype. 
Tayson, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.